Hello, iGaming Intelligentsia. Before we start today's podcast, here is a message from our sponsors. The iGaming Next podcast is made possible with the support from our sponsors at Pragmatic Solutions, leaders in intelligent platform technology. I've been working with Ashley, Lewis and the guys over at Pragmatic Solutions over the last year. And as the early supporter of this podcast, I cannot recommend them enough. The Pragmatic Solutions Player Account Management Platform is an incredibly powerful technology stack for today's gaming business. Their modern modular platform provides all the core services to power your business and their SaaS licensing model allows you to reduce cost and accelerate your strategic goals. Enterprise technology with decades of operational know-how at scale built in. Upgrade your business to the Pragmatic Solutions PAM platform. Visit www.pragmatic.solutions to arrange a platform demo. This podcast is brought to you by Kalamba Games, where they build the world's most engaging slots. To find out more about their hit titles, promotional tools, and Bullseye Remote Gaming Server, visit kalambagames.com. I have the privilege of being friends with several of the guys over at Kalamba, and they are fantastic. And I'm not saying that to be invited to one of their legendary office pool parties. Um, or maybe I am. In any case, check out kalambagames.com. This podcast is brought to you by BitCasino, the leading Bitcoin-led casino operator that has an expansive quality casino product featuring close to 3,000 games, including slots, table games, and live dealer casinos from some of the industry's leading suppliers. Head over to bitcasino.io to find your favorite games. Future trends, deep insights, industry leaders. This is the iGaming Next podcast with your host, Heidi Loftus. Hi again, everyone. Second podcast from my end, and I am Thrilled to have Kelly Keen from All In Diversity, one of the co-founders. Um, Kelly, introduce yourself. Hi, Heidi. Thank you for having me on this podcast. Um, I'm really excited. I think we're talking about gender myths that we all still believe, and hopefully we'll get to chat a bit about sort of how it relates to iGaming and what we're doing. But thank you. Yeah, I am the co-founder of All In Diversity Project. Um, we are an industry not-for-profit that supports businesses on their journey to be more diverse and inclusive. So it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. We are talking about uh, women at the workplace and the myths that we still believe. And I believe that today we are going to cover not only at the workplace, but uh, the, the gender issues in general. Yeah. Do we start? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, this is a this is an exciting topic, I think, Heidi, because um, it affects it affects our personal life. It affects us as women personally and how we've been brought up, but also where we're going, right, and where our kids are going. Exactly. We as women, uh, our kids, and how do we affect them to sort of continue the change that is happening? And I mean, a mm. lot of things that happened throughout history, making us being where we are today. Uh, yeah. But yes, we're happy with the numbers that we got so far, but this is not really enough, is it? Uh, 
No. Uh, one of the... <laughs> One of the most, probably the main myth that we should probably start to unpack is that when we talk about diversity, um, and I should say that diversity and inclusion is obviously a, a very special passion of mine. When we talk about diversity and we put gender in that category, um, oftentimes we refer to as underrepresented groups, but we're not underrepresented. We're half the population, aren't we? And uh we have massive buying power and there's more women graduating from university than there are men at the moment. So it is funny that we continue to say that, yes, there are less women in the workplace. Um, there are a distinct uh, percentage less women at senior management, um, but we're recognizing that, right? And if we can start to unpack, um, you know, how, how we get to what's happening in society represented within the workplace, then I think we'll all be better off. Shall we start with an area that we know quite well, both of us, the gaming sector, uh, compared to other industries, gaming, gaming is quite young and it's still quite small in terms of uh, people working within the sector. Um, yeah. And I think that gaming is one of the sectors and industries that is actually the most equal. Am I mm. aware how that, that sounds to you? Um, yeah, I mean, to take a step back, All in Diversity Project um, takes a measure of this every year, right? We ask companies to come in to give us their demographic data, as well as some data around practice and policy that's supporting diversity and inclusion. And yes, um, the gaming sector globally uh, is evenly split, uh, almost. It's, I think it's 47.5% women and 52.5% uh, men. I have to do a little math there. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's, um, if that's happening across all levels of leadership, it mm -hmm. certainly doesn't mean it's happening in every sector. Um, it's not happening in every jurisdiction. Um, so, so measuring is is a is a way for us that we can start to paint a clear picture to see where we there might be some systems in place that are holding us back. Mm -hmm. um, it, there's there's a distinct glass ceiling, I think, within our space. Maybe senior senior management, and I'm not sure that applies to every single company jurisdiction, but there is work to be done there. Mm. I think that gaming, being gaming uh, with the old fashions belief about, uh, about gaming itself mm. as an industry that only male people or basically men are gamers, you know, uh, mm. sports, poker, uh, slots even. Uh, but when it comes to the workforce as well, I mean, this... What you're saying is basically the the bigger group of employees is of a lot represented by women, but mm. at board it's still very male represented. Um, Correct, and and that if you know if I bring it down to if I can sort of paint a picture, um, you and I have both worked in eye gaming. Uh, if I asked you just off the top of your head at a customer service level, people serving the customers, are they more male or female, you know, or in hospitality, let's say in land base, you know? Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, especially if you go to the live casinos, there is, uh, 
if not equal, right. and it's more women. Uh, right, which okay. skews the numbers as you go to the top, right? There is a distinct lack of women at the top. Um, across board, like I said, it's not every single individual company, but um, there are very few females at the very, very top. There's a few in the C-suite, but not many. And um, we need to recognize that, right? And recognize um, why they're not getting into, into roles. Um, I had thought the other day, just, you know, many of the companies that we see, the big companies in our industry now, uh, have been founded by males. Would that be one of the reasons behind it? Because now we see a lot of women starting up their own companies and have done for uh, many years back. I mean, we have Carolina Pelk, who's also mm. podcast with us. Yeah, uh, she's one of the recent new uh, startuppers. What do you think yeah, about that? Uh, I mean, she's definitely in the minority. She is definitely a unicorn in our space. Um, I don't see a lot of startups coming from women, but if we look at the two most successful companies in, in our industry, one, Bet365, has a female CEO um, and always has. It's a family-run company. Um, she's the most successful CEO in the United Kingdom, not not in gaming, across the board. And Entain, which has its roots in party poker, which was founded by Ruth Parasol and is now led by a female CEO as well. So yeah, look, maybe, maybe we've painted a picture um, that that is not the case, right? Uh, there's a, there's a lot of men out there um, leading very successful companies, but there's also, you know, I think it's, it's the right thing to do is start to, you know, highlight the successes of women in our space as well. Mm. And this we are a reflection of society, right? We are half male, half female, and we need to make sure that you know what what's happening in society also is reflected in in our roles. Mm -hmm. um, this was brought up by um, uh, in, in last uh, last month in Feb uh, in March, uh, mm. International Women's uh, Day as well. Uh, women in the gaming sector, lots of uh, uh, high position women were interviewed. Mm. Uh, what what I read from this article uh, was how some of them, but absolutely not the majority of these women, were saying that they have felt the resist the resistance. Uh, her challenge had been much higher than her male. Uh, colleagues to get to to get jump uh, higher up in the hierarchy whereas mm -hmm. the majority of these women uh, some of them close friends to mine as well uh, are saying that the gender has not affected them mm. uh, when you hear that what what is your thoughts um well it makes me happy that people don't you know are finding it easier to navigate i think one iGaming in particular is a very young industry we're not banking right we're not this very old traditional mm -hmm. with systems in place that might hold a good portion of the population back it's young right and it's founded by young people with young thinking um and and young practice and policy right so in young perspectives right hopefully so so maybe we have less of a hill to climb, let's say, than uh, an industry that might be a bit more old and traditional. Mm. That being said, um, 
I think there's a myth there that we might, you know, sort of dig into a bit more in that, you know, one, uh, what does it take to be a leader? Right. And I think if, if you asked women and men, they might give you a lot of characteristics that are very masculine, mm-hmm. right? You have to be sort of strong and, and brave and all these, you know, very masculine words. And is that because that what makes a successful leader or is that because what we know to be leaders that we've experienced in our life, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think now that idea is being challenged, right? You know, there, we bring the, uh, there are words that are, that might be more feminine um, that women bring to the table that do make a company successful, right? Now we're talking, you know, coming out of COVID we're talking about empathy mm. and we're talking about mental health and we're talking about authenticity, right? Which, you know, we're, <laughs> you know, that's sort of part of, of what people believe or, or what women are taught, you know, growing up and what society um, pushes them towards. So, so that's, that's really amazing. I think, you know, um, there's, there's real opportunity to recognize that you don't need to be this sort of, hard, strong, uh, aggressive to lead a company through, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there's, it, it can be a mix or mm-hmm. it can be very empathetic, right? Mm-hmm. And understand. But I'm also thinking um, uh, if traditionally and by all time, women were back in the house sorting things out. Mm-hmm. And the What I learned now from a close friend of mine, the... Uh, emotional labor yeah first hearing it I had to think a bit about it like okay what's the labor and what's it but you know when you once you get that emotional Mm. labor I mean it covers everything you know you fully fully understand the full grasp of that expression but being at home working at the same time having kids homeschooling I mean with both parents in the house I mean you're basically crushing into each other's realities. Uh, so I think it just, again, with a silver lining of our recent year, people working from home, um, it's it's a learning, you know. That's mm. probably one of the USBs that comes with this pandemic. Yeah. But, um, going back a little bit to what these uh, women in gaming uh, that were interviewed last month um if they haven't experienced a challenge, but mm. they believe that they are taking into their positions because of their skills. Mm-hmm. So there are two things here. One, it's a challenge that they have not perceived. Mm-hmm. So is that because they have been taught or like, grown brought up to believe that this is not a challenge this is a women's actuality whereas if a man might have done exactly gone the same route it had been a challenge but as women are much more prone to think that hard work and skills and being the good student is what is going to make her successful then she is up for a challenge if that is not how yeah. other people are being promoted yeah look i i, I can't speak for anyone mm-hmm. who, who was a part of that a part of that interview 
Um, I think it's a combination, isn't it? It's we all want to believe you and I have talked about this before. We all want to believe that we work for meritocracy, right? We all want to believe that we're judged on our skills only, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, if women aren't promoted, that's because, you know, they don't either don't want it. They're not putting themselves forward, you know, and, and, <laughs> women might think, look, I'm, I'm doing the work, you know, I'm, I'm delivering, I'm just not, you know, in the magazines doing interviews. I'm just not in this, you know, in the CEO's office, you know, pushing mm -hmm. my, pushing my, you know, brand. Um, I think it's a combination, right? I, we, we, I think if we, if we do anything right today, Heidi, mm -hmm. is that um, we're all different, right? And we mm -hmm. all come with a million different perspectives um, and uh, God bless the people that haven't had a challenge when it's on their way sort of up the ladder. I think the biggest, my hope is that they hold the door open and they, you know, pull their hand down and, and make sure that anyone who else wants, you know, less of a challenge or, you know, needs help getting on that road, that they, they keep that door open for mm -hmm. them coming on up, mm -hmm. male and female, you know, of all colors and backgrounds. Having said that, uh, you know, the, the expectations and on men and women, mm. obviously this starts at home. Now, you know, I'm thinking back on if there was a difference between how I was raised compared to how my brother was raised. And yeah. I can probably dig, dig quite deep. I wouldn't say the, what, there wasn't a difference. Uh, uh, but probably even if this, I mean, this extends outside of my house and my parents and my family, but there are different expectations on me versus my brother. Uh, and this will make my perception of things different than to those of my brother. Yeah. Uh, so I have a son and I have a daughter. Is there anything that I am now from your experiences throughout all the discussions and the statistics that you've had and all your learnings, okay. <laughs> uh, what could I potentially potentially uh, be doing to my kids that I'm not aware of that actually sort of puts more fire to this? Or yeah, do you know what? I have a son and I have a daughter. They're very young now, so that it is pretty much they're just kids. Like I haven't really. There's some things you realize are, are biological, right? Difference. Mm -hmm. um, but I know as they get older, their peers and every and their outside world has a much bigger impact on them than you do at home. Look, I, I think my parents raised me to navigate the world that I was that that existed um, when I was a kid, right? It was not necessarily I, you know, I think they liked the idea of you can be anything, but that wasn't the reality um, back then, right? So you get pushed to creative roles, marketing roles, HR roles, that sort of thing, right? Because they, are, they can see people that looked like me, uh, that came from the same background, that were very successful in those roles, right? And I wouldn't have to worry about a job or anything like that. At the same time, you know, I was raised with, you know, find a husband, take care of you, someone who knows about finances, because we're certainly not going to teach you about finances, right? You'll find someone who can do that. And that remains the same today, right? My mom always 
talks to my husband about, <laughs> about the finances, you know, and that's fine. You know, that's the way that's the way we were going to survive back then. Right. But the world has changed really rapidly, hasn't it? Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, we are talking to kids about they can do anything. They can do anything from the time they're, you know, you know, able to get on a computer, right? You know, there's lots of young people with new ideas, starting new ideas. And if you look at um, what's labeled as Generation Z, Generation Z, um, you know, they're fully digital. They're, you know, it's it's a completely different world, right? People might not even know what gender they are until they decide to tell them, right? And that's not something we, I, that's not something I certainly grew up with, right? That's something you have to learn. And their peers accept that. So I think, you know, look, it changes very rapidly. I think generationally, no one did something to be closed-minded or too conservative or hold you back it was the way that we were all going to survive right it was the best sort of route to give your kids and I would say or at least what I do with my children is you got to teach them to be authentic right and resilient those are the two like really important things is be who you are you know people tell you not to be who you are but be who you are you know and and get up when that you know something hurts you know, and, and learn that, that it doesn't, you know, it's not as important as what you think. Exactly. Um, and, but that's a good sort of metaphor for what we have to do too, right? Is got to get up. You got, and I think the people that are the most authentic believe mm -hmm. in something, uh, you see it out there. Right. Yeah. And, and you can get on board with that kind of stuff. Uh, but this authenticity, uh, it also goes back a little bit to to the biological thoughts that you were mentioning. Yeah. <laughs> and this goes very sort of, now we're straight back into people's houses. And uh, if there's so many stereotype gender sort of traps, but I wouldn't really call them traps that we're constantly, every day falling into. You know, mm -hmm. uh, the early breakfast, who is up, who's preparing lunch boxes, who is making the social lives, you know, yeah. flowing, uh, preparations, etc. And then, but, and this might harm the entire conversation, but it becomes a very natural, like I, from my end, I like my side of things. Yeah. And I wouldn't rush into the other side of things. Yeah. Because they're not as appealing. Yeah. Uh, so how can this be taken into work life and making sure that we have equal amount of people in different departments mm. or uh, organizations at least, uh, where you were saying you were pushed into marketing or HR, yeah. is that because you would like it more because you are a woman mm. or is it because you innate feel some kind of safety uh, within these areas? Sure. Well, I think the first part of that question is to your point about emotional load, isn't it? Is the emotional load that um, the, the parent who's the caregiver sort of bears, right? Is not only do you worry about sort of your own sort of success and what you're contributing, but you worry about the children and are you doing the right thing for them and all that sort of mom guilt we talk about on a regular basis. Um, 
look, I <laughs> the probably before we started all in diversity project a year before I listened to Jan Jones Blackhurst, who she's a non-executive director at Caesars at the moment, mm -hmm. uh, do a speech at ice. And she said, if you want more women in your C team, stop having meetings at seven 30 in the morning, right? Stop having meetings at eight o'clock in the morning because it ain't happening. That That's a perfect metaphor for that emotional load, right? Yeah. Like we can't be both places at once. That doesn't mean we're not going to be awesome at both. It just means we, we can't, you know, and I think, you know what, post pandemic, maybe that'll be the best thing that comes out of what we've mm. learned is mm. we don't need to have the eight o'clock meetings. I like that flexibility, right? I like to, okay, I can do a bit of work in the morning. I'm going to get my kids to school. I promise you. Right. And, uh, I'll pick them up in the afternoon and, and that sort of thing. So hopefully these worlds colliding and we're getting empathy from where each other's coming from is that we, we can be more flexible, right? We can be more, uh, ourselves and build a life that matches what we want to do. Of course, nine to five, nine to six works for a lot of people, right? It doesn't work for everyone. Um, everyone has kids in different stages or doesn't have kids, you know, so hopefully we just now start to look at, okay, what job needs to get done and how are we going to do it most effectively? Mm. And so what is it, apart from the morning meetings that we now have learned that these should not, wise companies don't do that early morning meetings? Yeah. Um, when we remove all the obstacles and the hinders in terms of uh, mothers or women not mm. being able to do their jobs on a sort of equal kind of basis. Um, I mean, we can go into different kinds of uh, maternity discussions here. Mm. And obviously, I come from a country that represents a really good maternity and paternity yeah. leave um, situations. But um, uh, this is one of the things that is the biggest obstacles uh, to women but okay morning uh, morning meetings as well Remember, yeah. <laughs> um what what is the next step for for a company to start off with you know in uh, in mm. 10 years we're gonna have half the c-suite uh, being women is that mm. realistic with t 10 years could it be much earlier and then when i'm saying that i mean naturally with mm -hmm. people like truly innate believing that this is right and not something that someone has forced to happen to um to to sort of um push yeah i mean it is going to happen it's more what can companies do to make it quicker but when will it actually be something that is obvious and natural to, to I, I think in 10 years we'll have to recognize that we'll have non-binary as well right I, that's <laughs> that's something that's coming up as well so it won't necessarily be about gender anymore maybe mm -hmm. the whole entire conversation will change um shall we talk about maternity or parental leave first how much time? obviously i cut i know i come <laughs> from a company that gives you four weeks or something like that right six weeks and then ba you're back uh fantastic this is your own company you thanks i did i did <laughs> well in america you don't get much i'll say that mm. um but uh, it, it does. I think more companies are recognizing shared parental leave. More countries are recognizing the fact that 
Um, to have a parent home with a child for a year is really beneficial. It's beneficial to the economy. It's beneficial to the healthcare system. You've known this your whole life, Heidi, coming from Sweden. Um, but most companies or most countries haven't, right? And and sometimes you need to put in regulation like that to make to ensure that that happens across business, right? And then they will recognize the benefits um, as they implement it. Um, I think what I think. Uh, just to bring it back to getting to 50-50 or at least gender balance within the C-suite, I think when we talk about generational stuff, what we did uh, a few minutes ago is it was once viewed that the men were sacrificing not seeing their kids, right? They were they were the ones who were going to go off to work, to war, to, to do all those things in order to provide. And it, there was a very distinct line. One was doing the emotional stuff. One was doing the financial and the, um, let's say, safety stuff. Um, but that's not the case anymore, right? Childcare came into play. There were women in the workforce. Now we have to, you know, we can always say, oh, we'll put the kids in daycare. It's fine. We can both sort of pursue and we'll get there. But it's still... Um, when it comes time, like in a pandemic, uh, and our kids are home and we have to take care of the kids actually in our real life, when it comes time to say, okay, well, who's going to take care of the kids? It will always be the person. I believe it will always be the person who makes less money. And until we can close the gender pay gap, and say, you know, if if for equal roles or equal levels of experience and things like that, that they're making equal amounts of money, then that conversation doesn't change, right? Because that's just the nature of things. It's not, you're not going to take the breadwinner and say, you know what, you take care of the kids because I'm, you know, you know, whatever reason that is, right? It's always going to come down to that money and making sure. So, so uh, we have to work on closing the pay gap. That's how we're going to get to it get to uh, more equal representation. And what's the best way to go on doing that? Uh, would that be every company by itself or? Uh, transparency. Be well, in the UK, I mean, they're going down the road of transparency, right? You have to, any company over 250 employees has to report their pay gaps at all levels. Um, I don't know. Do people care when they're job hunting? Do they care what kind of pay gap, you know, in, in the UK this company has? I don't know. It might help them with negotiation. Um, but if companies do truly want to get to balance, make that transparent at the very start when you have uh, new candidates coming in, mm. right? Mm. What what the salary is, what the salaries in that particular team are, that sort of thing. I don't know if you know Eric Bergman. He's a Malta... Um, he built Katina Media and he's running a company called great.com at the moment and they make their salaries transparent, mm. which is, I mean, on the website, you can see what people make, mm. which is scary and exciting. And <laughs> for me, mind blowing, I'm sure not for other people, but, um, you know, well done for, for working on that, right. To try and mm. make sure that we're being transparent because if you're not willing to be transparent, then what are those other issues? Right. Who would be the biggest advocates for um, minimizing the salary gaps? Is that uh, highly educated people or is it uh, men uh, in a certain uh, position or is it women? Who could make the biggest impact? Well, it's kind of like um, sort of 
what's happening. You know, I always lean towards, you know, it's 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 not the victim's job to uh, to change things, it. right? Mm. Yeah. Well, no, you can highlight it. That's fine. But it's it's really, you know, what's happening in in society now, as we're saying it's all of us now right like it's it's not the victim's job when you talk of look at like black lives matter or what's happening socially with women's issues we've all got to work together right we've all you know we i don't know thankfully or not thankfully for some but like we do live in a world now where you can call out behavior right and people will listen right everyone has much more of a voice than we did even 10 years ago mm. thanks to anything social media and um, just the way our, our culture in the West at least exists. So, I'm thinking about this, um, a very strong female leader that I was working with uh, some, quite, uh, some time ago. And she has a team of both male and women leader mm. in her uh, organization. Mm. And she goes, she comes to me and say, Heidi, uh, they're all the same fantastic but the organization in itself know much more about the men mm. what their areas are producing and how mm. successful they are in their numbers yeah whereas the women ones okay granted these are new sections but the impact and the changes that have come from these women it's it's amazing but they are, you know, they're maybe not shy, but it's not as natural to a woman to go out and I'm not saying the men are bragging, but they're making sure that, you know, their successful, yeah. their successes are made aware of. How can I help my women leaders? Mm -hmm. um, so what we came up with was a plan to sort of have these women leaders educate the rest of the organizations in their uh, their new areas and uh, what impacts have actually been done but uh, could there I mean now we're talking managers responsibilities but also possibilities of impacting uh, mm -hmm. views within an organization um, where does it land the responsibilities and you know should everyone just make efforts themselves or in terms of a process and how, how does the ball roll faster in this? Um, look, I think one, it's great that there's someone who's recognizing uh, leadership and success across both genders, right? I think that's probably the first start. Um, but yeah, you're right. You know, there is networking, politics, self-promotion on one side. Mm -hmm. uh, there's and I'm being, I'm, I'm stereotyping at the moment. I have no idea what's going on in that company, but you know, if you look at sort of all kinds of reports out there, then there's women who head down, work hard and they don't want to do the self-promotion or they don't know how to do the self-promotion. And then that comes across to the men as they might not want the higher jobs. Right. And that might, or, or everyone who's sort of used to, to that sort of thing. Right. Whereas if we can stop and understand the differences of the individuals, um, we talked about this the other day, right? Equity versus equality, right? Equality being everyone gets exactly the same treatment um, and equity being that, you know, we give, we give tools to make sure that the successes are, you know, 
mm-hmm. supported. Um, I think that's the first step. Now, how we get there is, I think, up to the individual company and culture and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. right? But recognizing it, recognizing that if it was if it was equality, and of course we all want to get to a point of equality, then that would, you know, that sort of networking and self-promotion would be a sign of success, whereas it doesn't necessarily have to be, right? Mm -hmm. We could be driving revenue quietly, or we could be retaining individuals, you know, saving the company loads of money quietly. Mm -hmm. Um, And and, uh, I think it's important to recognize Mm -hmm. that. I'm I'm thinking, um, I mean, NetEnt was, you know, very much focusing on this a few years ago, probably still are, but uh, uh, saying that by 2020, we're going to have half, uh, half mm. of the team uh, gender equal. And they, <clears throat> there's, uh, their uh, woman CEO left a while ago. But um, gaming, and you are highly active within the gaming sector. But from the All in Diversity reports that you have been collecting data from, um what can your numbers tell us uh, is oh. i gaming leading the way <laughs> um certainly in terms of there's there's two metrics that we looked at where we sort of excel the the wider sort of average mm-hmm. one is in terms of tech um, there, it, it, in terms of gender, if we're talking. So one is in terms of tech. Uh, we we exceed the average uh, other industries in terms of tech, in terms of women in tech. Um, and two is at board level. Um, there is, uh, we have more, and I don't have the report with me, so I'm not going to give you the exact numbers. You can find it on our website. Um, but... Um, in terms of we looked at a UK and US average, which tends to be, there's lots of reports sort of out there for this. Mm-hmm. So we look at UK and US average. Um, in terms of tech, the, the gaming sector has more women than the UK or the US in, in tech and also at board level. Um, so there's a rising tide, isn't there? We're, like I said earlier, it's a young industry, right? We're much more sort of um, early adopters of new ideas and new technology and that sort of thing than other industries may be. In your report, you're also mentioning um, the the trainings, um, mm. uh, the, the trainings on gender, but obviously during COVID, a different kind of mm. training place. Um, uh, the, the importance of training mm. in uh, equality and equity areas, mm. is that maybe the next and the best way to really push uh, within our organizations? Uh, Well, listen, um, like any business strategy, uh, let's say digital transformation, because that's a hot topic word, training is going to be a piece of it, right? I Mm. think the the first part of it is you need to have a strategy. And and what All In Diversity Project does is actually give businesses the tools to put real business strategy behind um, things like diversity inclusion, right? But in particular, in terms of gender balance, or if it or if it's race or sexual orientation, or whatever that is. Um, But you need to have real business strategy, you need to be able to measure it. And once you have a strategy, um, then comes the how and certainly training is a piece of that 
Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily, I mean, yes, unconscious bias training, right? There's a, when it comes to DNI, there's a lot of soft, soft skills training that needs to be had, right? Um, but there's also some things like um, different ways of doing things like blind CV screening and things like that. I think a lot mm-hmm. of the companies are doing things like that now or using technical tools to help them assist them in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the very start, you need to say, you know, outline where you're going and then do, you know, it doesn't make sense just to do a training for the sake of training, right? To sort of just slap it on, right? I think companies with a vision, it makes complete sense. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah. you're, you're referring back to the other day, you're talking about the HR Connect sessions that mm-hmm. we had mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. and Tina joined us and uh, gave us yeah. fantastic, it felt like we just sort of were just scraping the surface. Uh, we yeah. had one hour and I mean, we could have kept going all day, uh, if, we, if not more. Uh, but, uh, and you were also offering these sessions with all these members. I mean, I have about 25 yeah. members and I mean, from you guys just offering that for free kind of insight and information to all of these individuals and yeah. their organizations, I mean, just that. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think there is, we've been, you know, we've been sort of working hard in the industry for the last three, four years on Mm -hmm. specifically diversity, equality, inclusion. Mm -hmm. Now, I think a lot of companies um, have a very robust HR team and haven't necessarily thought about uh, the diversity side of things, right? And, And because we might be a woman or because we might be a person of color, then you sort of a t- take on the diversity role. And that's also not the best way. So we're, you know, what, what all in diversity project does is give businesses the tools. And that's just another, you know, for us, that's, that's one of the tools we need to be out there. We need to be, you know, sort of giving people who don't, don't have the resources at hand or to, who don't have the experience mm-hmm. to bring it, to make it real. Right. Because if it, you know, we have we have a hard enough time as in this industry, don't we? It's hard to recruit people, mm. and uh, once we get them, we spend a lot of money to keep them. So we might as well not make make that money sort of go to waste. Mm. Um, we have a lot of work to do in in gaming to to change the face, change the image, the perceptions, and and you know, diversity, equality, inclusion plays a huge role in that. Um. On that matter, uh, we uh, this is a side thing, and uh, I'm uh, I'm uh, speaking to Alexia in these uh, in this forum later on as well. But Alexia Frendo from uh, Kindred, uh, we got her to represent iGaming uh, at the Council of MEA, so the Multi Employers Association. She is now part of the uh, council there, so right. all the other members uh, voted her in. She was co-opted, uh, so that's I mean that's a great success as well. Um, so, I mean, finding the opportunities, yes, but yeah. when, when does it come natural? And I'm thinking in our generation, this might not actually happen, but it's sort of for us to make sure that with the younger generations that are coming into the workforces now, and I believe this is already happening, it's much more expected that mm. things are equal. Yeah. Do you know what? Look, I think we're seeing it. We're almost there in the US. We have a women vice president. Um, If you look at the rising popularity of sports, women's football um, is on a massive rise. Right. And in fact, there's there's investment coming from 
female celebrities into the sport and things like that, right? Like it's on the rise. You can feel it, right? We've got way more female CEOs in the space than we did five years ago. I say way more. There's still only a, you know, a handful, but a lot more than, than it was five years ago. Um, of really successful companies too, you know, like you said, there's more people that are getting funding, women that are getting funding for their startups, right? Mm. That um, are getting supported by the industry. So yeah, the face is changing. Um, I'm not sure, as you say, that we'll see 50-50, but I'm not sure that this will be the space, you know, there might be another industry that does that, right? We we as women are, you know, are educated. We, we have a choice. <laughs> And the way the world is going, you know, it's it's much easier for us to navigate the career that we want to have. Mm. Oh, when you say we uh, were educated and we have a choice, I mean, uh, what's and you read this, I'm 100% sure uh, everything that comes up now in media, especially working from home, uh, domestic violence. Mm. Uh, I mean, in Sweden now, five women have been killed uh, just within mm. a week. Uh, what is this? What is this? Yeah. <laughs> um, do you know what? I was on a conversation the other day and uh, Olin Diversity Project is going to run a COVID impact survey about sort of working working conditions mm -hmm. and what's happened during COVID, mm -hmm. which is nothing compared to what's happening on the social side of things. Mm -hmm. um, and and someone who I very much admire and respect in the industry in terms of diversity, equality, inclusion said, I couldn't even say to you whether it's COVID or if it's the social issues that have brought uh, this this topic uh, of diverse or women's issues to the forefront because I think it's equal or I shouldn't even say women's I should say underrepresented groups to the forefront because obviously with Black Lives Matter race is a huge issue as well. Um, so, or if it's coupled together, right? If they're intrinsically connected, don't know. Honestly, I, I, I think, yes, working from home has its pros and cons. I think a good company who wants to be inclusive is going to recognize that not all of us want to go into the office. Not all of us want to stay at home. Um, besides the very sort of dark issues of domestic violence, you also have to think there's young people who have five, six people in their flat or house, right? Sharing a Wi-Fi. How you do conference calls that way? I can't I can't do it with one. Do <laughs> mm. you know? So I think there's a whole spectrum where all have I think the one thing is COVID has done is made us a clearer picture of our whole selves, right? You know, we have a home life, we have a work life. They're all together now, or they were all together. Um, some of us get to go back to the office, but you know, how do we recognize that if we want people to bring their whole selves to work, mm. um, if we want good mental health and we want to be empathetic of that, you know, we, we, we have to be open and understand that we're not all coming from a beautiful house with an in, office and, you know, uh, it all ties into one another. I mean, uh, and when I say five women in Sweden, I mean, that's, uh, that's a lot for Sweden. And this is happening a lot more in other countries. I'm, I'm not neglecting yep. that. Um, but mental health, um, mm -hmm. women are much more prone to actually go and seek help. It's not as taboo mm. um, for us to go and seek physical or mental health uh, advice mm -hmm. or professionals. 
yeah. mental health training I would say in, in my HR Connect membership, I mean, this was the number one training all through mm-hmm. 2020. Yeah. Um, we saw in our report, uh, the first year we did it, that there was more of a focus on on things like um, learning and development for specific underrepresented groups like women. And in the second one, which is uh, leading up to 2020, was a much heavier focus on me- mental health. And I think coming out of COVID, that will be where a significant portion of investment goes uh, mm-hmm. into employees, right? Is to make sure. Continue. Yes, because we're all prone to burnout and things like that. We're all going through, as I say, we're all, we may not all be in the same boat, but we're definitely all in the same storm, mm. right? So, you know, it, it's not easy. Mm. for anyone <laughs> you know i think it, it, and it's all about you know so, so much of it is about perspective right and and supporting that we all have different you know mm. we're all coming from it from a different perspective so i'm trying to sort of get back to like is gaming a leading star in this and obviously yeah. yes the forefront dish but uh, yeah what industries could actually make I mean, gaming comes with another kind of uh, people see different on gaming for other reasons as well. But yeah. what industry could actually help push this forward even quicker? I'm thinking music, music videos, mm. um, influencers. I mean, how much has that impacted to what we are, where we are today? Oh my goodness, we're totally out of my realm of, uh, of, out of my world. I have no idea. But yeah, I think um, as the, the world is really small right now, I feel like, right? It's And it's getting smaller thanks to many things, social media and mobility and all that sort of thing. But, you know, as long as we, you know, what we, what we said all in Diversity Project and what we have found to be very true, we had no idea when we started if it was going to be true, was that this collaboration and sharing um is is going to make us better right as a world as or let me just say in the west you know we do have problems to solve when it comes to diversity equality inclusion we're all doing it in a different way um but if we can share and make clear what what we're doing and what's working and what's not working Mm. um then then we'll all be better I think. Um, I mean, we've been talking about this for decades. This is not something that's new. However, I do think with technology, with social uh, movements that are happening, and with COVID, this pandemic, it might be the perfect storm, right? Where we we can uh, share and industries will be able to share and, and together get, get to a much better place. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree. I agree. Uh, yeah. That once you start getting into these things and you hear about violence and like all last year was sort of uh, covered uh, as well about uh, domestic violence in South Africa. Uh, I mean, you just want the change now. Yeah. But if you look back, you know, we've come, we've, we have come a long way. 
Um, certainly in, in areas, in other areas, we've taken a step back, you know, this is, this is the way the world works. Um, and if we don't, like, I think the one important thing is if we don't learn from what's happened in the past, that's probably our biggest mistake, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Um, we have to be able to, to teach, to learn, you know, to always be curious and that sort of thing. But we, you know, so that we can apply that to what we're doing today. I think, you know, there's a lot of things happening where we're trying to cancel or erase what happened in the past um, because it's painful. Um, but I, I, you know, for me personally, it's about making sure that we learn from what's happened um, on all topics and making sure that we move forward from that. Um, when will your next report come out to close off this uh, discussion uh, of now what? We are always reporting <laughs> and always collecting data. But uh, the next thing that's coming in the next couple of days is our COVID impact survey. It is for anyone who wants to contribute to sort of the betterment of where we are. And, and to your point, um, Heidi, and to the sort of this overall theme of myths, we think that, you know, people have said that women have really been impacted during during the pandemic. Yes, we know that. Or at least there's loads of reports that tell us we're not sure about gaming. So we're going to measure it. Mm -hmm. um, we're not sure if other underrepresented groups have been impacted, not only with just layoffs and furloughs, but mental health, as you say, and things like mm -hmm. that. So the COVID impact survey is coming out. Anyone can feed in. It's, it's anonymous. It's your opinion and sort of your experiences that we will summarize and put together, paint a better picture of what happened in 20, uh, from January 2020 through January 2021. Um, and then we will apply that to our annual survey, which we are going to launch in June. We launch in June every year, which is our all index. And that's really aimed at HR and diversity and inclusion leaders to give us a picture on what's happening in their businesses so that we can share best practices um, happening out there. And that's really focused not only on demographics, but real practice and policy that support employees out there. So it's, it's all coming around. Mm. And awareness is key. <laughs> yes. Well, we, we totally believe if you can't measure it, you can't change it. Um, but also businesses who say they want they want to do diversity or they're investing in diversity. You need to have benchmarks in place. And, and this is the tool for them to pick up and use. Hmm. No. Um, and I mean, as soon as, as soon as one company starts, I think there is going to be, you know, a snowballing effect by it as well. Um, sure. uh, we have Bet365, we have Entain, we have lots of women in boards. We have a lot of fantastic, good women leaders out there. So yep. uh, this, uh, I see it positively moving forwards. That's right. It's a number of factors, isn't it? And, uh, you know, they have to be, you know, we, we have to rely on the educational system. We have to do learning and development, all those things. Mm -hmm. It's possible. It's a fun industry. Welcome all the women to get involved in it. Exactly. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. I am uh, I'm, uh, closing our call. Um, is there anything that you want to, to, to mention? I mean, you and I, are, we're going to continue our chats on the other side of this as well. But yeah. uh, anything that you want to send out there? No, just my gratitude for inviting me to come on and chat with you. It was really fun. It's a topic that's close to my heart. So I love doing that. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, your intel will 
lead lead the way or entertain hopefully maybe a little bit of both <laughs> all right it was a pleasure Heidi thank you so much speak soon again thank okay. you so much Kevin. bye bye